Fulfill my wishes. Okay. I I don't want to be in a coma. I don't want to be in a persistent vegetative state. I'm not very precious about my life. Like if it's you, I'd be very worried. But for me, like <laughs> I had a good run. You know, I did a lot of cool things. I went to the Great Wall of China. I um had a really good sandwich today. No, today's was pretty good too. Oh, okay. It wasn't even the one I was thinking of. Just in oh. life. So I think you know what? I'm about done. I also like, want a DNR. I don't want resuscitation. Because if you ask doctors, they don't want it either because you don't come back right. Ooh. I don't want to make it sound like I'm suicidal or anything, but I don't want to stick around if it's if it's that tough. That's sad. Yeah. But, but okay. I get it. But then you can, um, I don't know, collect on some insurance money and live it up. I have made sure that we're well insured. Wait, what's in this drink? He's <laughs> a little... Arsenic-y. <laughs> like sweet almond? Like poison. Poison. But you want to be kept around forever. Yeah, I want to be bionic. I'm on whoa, my whoa, way whoa, to whoa, whoa. being bionic. If there's an option to bring me, put my brain in a robot body, yeah, I want that. Oh, well, you didn't mention that. No, no, I want to be a robot for sure. Okay. But if it's just like laying in a, a, a flesh prison in a hospital bed, mm. no, no dice. Okay. I'm out. Okay, I'm all right with that. But if I'm a robot with chainsaw hands? I don't yeah. want chainsaw hands. All right, laser vision. Okay. Cool. As long as they get laser vision, <laughs> then I want to be. How oh, would yeah. I hug you if you had chainsaw hands? Well, they I imagine my hands would retract and chainsaws would come out. Oh, so they're like convertible chainsaws. Yeah. Hands. Okay. And okay. also the chainsaws <laughs> don't have to be on all the time. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how your chainsaw hands work. Most chainsaws <laughs> have off switches. They're not just constantly on? I hope not. Hmm. Well, okay. we'll with it. this great conversation, <laughs> you know it's another episode of I Love This, You Should Too. I am your host, Indy Chainsaw Hands Randawa. I think, oddly enough, that's the second time on this podcast I've introduced myself as Chainsaw Hands Randawa. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Does that huh. mean I'm going to be Mrs. Chainsaw Hands Randawa? <laughs> and with me is Samantha, Mrs. Chainsaw Hands He's. For now, this is still coming out before the wedding. Oh, okay. So. We're not married yet. No. <laughs> and we are proud members of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is locally grown and community supported. And today we are going to be bringing you not just riveting conversation about how I <laughs> want to be... Not quite euthanized, but yeah, maybe. No. Yeah. I don't think your parents would allow me to do that. No, that's true. They're also currently in charge of you, so. How do you mean? Like. They own me still? (laughs) Yeah, they still own you. Until Until we're married? Until we're married. Is that how it works? Then I own you. Yeah. Oh. They'd be your, like, direct next of kin. Right. Like, my mom and my dad would be my direct next of kin until we get married, and then you are my direct next of kin. I I prefer that. I want them to be able to make those decisions, because you know me. I'm like, "Eh, we should pull the plug. That's how I am for me. But although for you, I wouldn't pull the plug. I'd be like, no, we should should keep it going for a little longer. This is true February romance right here. But does this count as like my uh, living will and testament that mm-hmm. I 
but it, we're on uh, we're on the air, and I'm saying. <laughs> Do you know what we're doing right now? We're talking about <laughs> our will and testament uh-huh. on our one year anniversary of getting engaged. Is it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we're recording a little early because we're going to be super busy. So. Uh, if we make fun of like an actor or something who just died, we didn't know it. Sorry, yeah, in advance. <laughs> to in our world, Betty White just died, mm-hmm. and Bob Seger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's that's, what's that's, his not, name? that's not correct. Enough. Ron. <laughs> no. Kyle. Kyle Seeger? I don't remember. I think you mean Bob Saget. Bob Saget. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, growing up i was a very big golden girls fan oh my grandma liked it because there weren't many shows with just like old people on. yeah so she would watch it but then she'd complain she's like oh these these old ladies are so naughty and i was like yeah but they're like sassy sassy fun ladies they're so naughty i was a big b arthur fan Were she you? was my favorite mm. i've dressed as b arthur for halloween Aww. and uh estelle getty actually all of them if you watch that show now it holds up yeah that's hilarious. what i heard also, I saw an interesting comparison. The the actresses, like the characters when uh, Golden Girls started are younger than the actresses who are playing um, like Sarah Jessica Parker and in the Sex and the City reboot. They're actually... There's a new Sex and the City? Yeah. Why? It's not good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so they, they were talking about how the age is represented differently now. Yeah. Because everybody wants to look as young as possible. Uh, yeah, that is and like, actually does say something about it. Like us. they were all like in their 50s yeah. in the beginning of Golden Estelle Girls. Getty was actually the youngest one and yeah. was playing like the mom. Or maybe not the youngest, but younger than most of them. And like Sarah Jessica Parker and everybody on the reboot are supposed to be like mid 50s as well. But they are fancier and better looking than me. So No, <laughs> oh, that is. <laughs> Definitely not true. I thought you were going to say then Estelle Getty, and I was going to argue that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, but what I was saying is uh, this is a podcast. We are going to give you a couple of spoiler-free things that we, uh, reviews of things that we are into currently, and then Samantha will tell us what we are going to watch for our big watch next week. But before we get started, let's thank our first sponsor, and that is the Edmonton Community Foundation and their podcast, The Well-Endowed Podcast, hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bonkink, produced by Lisa Pruden. The Well-Endowed Podcast explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. And since today is one of the first days in a long time that it wasn't 30 below, we actually got to walk around our strong, vibrant city. Which we love. Yeah. Most of the time. Most of the time. (laughs) Some of the time. But the Well Endowed Podcast is doing their part. And the Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds that we talk about on this podcast pretty often. And the Well Endowed Podcast tells the stories of how these endowment funds intersect with the community. So you can subscribe and find out more at thewellendowedpodcast.com or wherever you're listening to us right now. Now, Sam, what is your thing of the week? Well, as usual, I have another book and anybody who keeps track of what I uh, generally talk about, I tend to read an author's like full book set. Bibliography. Bibliography. I was going to say bookography and that Bookography. So I went with book set. I like that too. (laughs) 
So um, this week... Can I interrupt you for a moment, though? Yeah. So I said that I was going to do an author's bibliography, and you went, oh, God. No, I didn't. You most certainly did. I did did not. That was about five minutes ago. (laughs) But please, go on, because I, uh, for one celebrate your interest in a single author so are we on taylor jenkins reed yes we are all right so she wrote a book called one true loves with an s oh i get it and taylor jenkins reed does a really good job of like twists and like parallel lives so this is a book about Emma Blair who marries her high school sweetheart Jesse and they build a life they get married they are thinking about having kids um they travel the world together and uh they're like travel bloggers before it was like a big thing mm-hmm. and so uh on their first wedding anniversary Jesse is in a helicopter crash over the Pacific where he goes missing and he's gone so Uh-oh. he's gone yeah so in um her grief emma moves back home and tries to like restart her life basically because jesse has been in her life since she was like a young adult and she doesn't really know what to do now and so uh she starts working at her parents store and she runs into a friend from high school sam and he uh kind of helps her find love again oh so They date um, for like eight years. They're engaged. And then Jesse's found and he's alive. And he comes home and kind of expects everything to just like pick up how it was. So the rest of the book or most of the book is her trying to decide which of her lives she wants to live. That's a an interesting conundrum. Yeah. So I found this one really interesting. I may have cried at the end. And um, there's a lot of really good kind of points in each man's favor for why she should stay with either Sam or Jesse and why that makes sense and um, how her family feels and uh, that she is kind of dealing with all of this guilt for starting again when she didn't realize that her husband was still out there alive somewhere. That's very interesting. I've seen this idea in a few different uh, movies for the most part. And each time there's different nuance to it. And it is a very interesting position, especially when they set it up that they are both valid choices. Mm -hmm. Not like in some movies they're like, oh, well, actually this one is awful. So then it's, you know. Yeah. And that's like the more romantic comedy Mm -hmm. or like that type of thing. But I like it when... It's not so clear. Yeah. And, and you do kind of keep guessing until she makes her decision, mm. which is pretty close to the end. So this whole book, you're like, she spends time with both of them and she kind of goes back and forth and you you kind of end up being like, yeah, like Sam is clearly the one for her or like, and then she spends some time with Jesse and you're like, well, she and Jesse have known each other since they were kids. Like clearly he's the one for her and you go back and forth with the book and then at the end it like all kind of makes sense. So I have two questions. First, does it give things away if you let us know where he was in those eight, nine years? Yes. Oh, no, I can tell you. Okay. Um, so he was uh, going to see Alaska, mm-hmm. and um, they hit a storm, and uh, he, their 
helicopter got pulled like way out into like the ocean and into like warmer ocean and so he gets stranded on an island basically was he on a deserted island for like nine years yeah oh shit yeah um because i think in castaway that happens too like when he goes back helen hunt is married because of course because like you can't just wait nine years yeah um yeah so he's on a desert island and he goes through all this stuff and in high school he was a swimmer um so he basically just like realized that he was running out of food he was running out of water and like he had to start training basically to swim after like nine years he's like oh but i guess it's time to get going i think it was less than nine years actually i can't remember exactly but it was more than four three or four I feel like if you're going to make a run for it, you do it in the first month while but you're the I strongest. I think he was pretty injured. Uh, like, okay. I think he had to recover from his injuries. Sure, sure. And uh, so he, like, realizes that, like, the food sources that he's found and, like, made really good use of are kind of drying up. And he's getting skinnier and he's losing muscle and because he's just, like, sitting on a beach trying to, like, keep himself alive. So he starts swimming. And every day he swims more. And then one day he swims to America. One day he just like makes himself a canteen backpack basically with water in it and just goes. And then a boat finds him. Mm. And then he should make a front pack that was just full of air. Oh, yeah, that would have been good. Yeah, that would help him. Oh, huh. I've never considered being stranded on an island, but like that actually oh, I have. would be a very. I know. This is, these are the things you think of while I'm asleep and you're trying but to. But once asleep. I did get like lost. At sea. What? In a kayak. I it, it was for like two hours. <laughs> it was just very foggy and I was going off uh, off of a boat off the coast of Vietnam and I lost, I couldn't find the boat. It was, it didn't move or anything, but it could have. Hmm. I, I just couldn't find it. <laughs> that sounds scary. Yeah. And then the only island I found, full of bugs. Ew. So many bugs. Ew. Yeah, it wasn't great. Gross. What was your other question? Oh, yeah. Um... Could you date and marry someone named Sam, being named Sam? I went on a few dates with someone named Sam. What? Gross. It was weird. I I don't know why. I I don't like it. It would bother me. (laughs) Because, like, there could be a woman named Inderjeet. Yeah. That's, it's possible. Indy is a name that some women have. It could be short for something else, but I would feel weird about it. Actually, now that I say it, eh, maybe it wouldn't be so bad. It was the thing that was the worst was everyone was like, oh, Sam and Sam. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, they should. I would say that too. Yeah, it was annoying. I would change my name. If her name was like Indy and it was short for um, Inderella, <laughs> I would go back to being fully Interjeet. Really? Yeah. Huh. Rather than Indy and Indy? Mm-mm. I'd say no, we both have to go to our full names now. Inderella? <laughs> <laughs> That's always my my princess name. <laughs> Inderella. Yeah. I like it. Last time I played laser tag, my name was Inderella. Aww. It was for a princess themed like 25th birthday. <laughs> Your princess? No. <laughs> I was the only uh, male there. Though. Oh, okay. And they all wore like dresses and tiaras and everything. We would play laser tag. Oh, nice. It was pretty great. I had a princess themed birthday party. And the hashtag was Princess Wasted. It was pretty great. <laughs> we all wore our grad dresses. Yeah, same kind of thing. Because we were like, when are we ever going to wear these again? We may as well just wear them to the bar. Yeah. And we did. It was great. And got Princess Wasted. Got Princess Wasted. Princess Wasted, you're allowed to uh, drive, kill someone, and you'll get off. There you go. 
That's the privilege of being a royal. Princess Wasted. So <laughs> we're way off track now. This is a fun episode. I um, like it. So if you want to find out who Emma ends up with, you can read One True Loves by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And again, every time you do a book, I have to ask, how was your audiobook narrator? Very good. She did men's voices that didn't sound like a woman doing a man's voice. Um, well, Indy, what is your thing of the week? Well, my thing is the entire bibliography of Kurt Vonnegut. A uh, book list. What was it? Book Bookography. <laughs> you said something. A book set. Book set. Yeah. <laughs> So I said earlier that I also like to get into one author and read everything. Last year, I read all of Haruki Murakami, and mm -hmm. I think he might be my favorite living author. Uh, now I started the works of Kurt Vonnegut, and rather than do each novel, mm -hmm. I just wanted to like give you a bunch of information, but I can't do all of the novels in one go, because that would be a, a full episode. <laughs> yeah, like the baseball episode. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, his first five or six novels, and we'll go like that for a couple of episodes. But since I'm doing so many, I am not going to kind of give you the full plot. Okay. And rather, I'll tell you a two-sentence plot, maybe, mm -hmm. and then, then just something I liked about it. Okay. So way back on episode 121, I did that for Cat's Cradle. I managed to talk about it for 15 minutes and right. not talk about the plot at all because right. there's so many fun ideas. Uh, Kurt Vonnegut was born in 1922 and died in 2007. Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about his books from, let's say, 52 to 67. Okay. And something fun about him is that he has absolutely no desire to put tension in his books. <laughs> He's just against it. He's like, I don't believe in tension. What? So he'll usually tell you what's going to happen for the rest of the book in the first chapter. And because that's not what's interesting about them. They often have like very bizarre or dramatic plot lines, but he just like doesn't care. He's like, that's not what's interesting. These other little ideas are what's interesting. So I'll mostly talk about those little ideas. And I have read everything of his, or I'm on my way to have finished, but I'm not going to talk about any of his short stories or essays or plays. Okay. I'll just say short stories of his mixed. Some are great, <laughs> some not so much. His novels is where I think he shines. His essays are very good as well, but a lot of his books get those ideas across in a more effective way to me because I okay. like when he's dramatizing things rather than uh, just saying it outright. So his first novel was called Player Piano, and it was published in 1952, and it is a dystopia that is caused by automation. In this world, things have become automated so much so that all of the workers, like all of the regular people, are just unemployed and have nothing to do and are poor. Mm -hmm. And all of the people who can afford to do the automation are very rich and powerful. Oh. And I like this a lot because it's sci-fi from the 1950s. So you can see like what was correct and what right. wasn't because this has happened. Right. And you're like, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But also it's helped poor people in a lot of ways too. Yeah. But uh, that's kind of the thesis for the novel it's mostly about that and this was written when he was working at general electric and was clearly uh not a fan of it it's a theme that comes through in a lot of his stuff also he was in world war ii and saw the firebombing of dresden so that is another thing that comes up in a lot of his works oh. then we have the sirens of titan 
first published in 1959, and I like his sci-fi, which he does kind of every now and then. Mm -hmm. And I always thought I don't like sci-fi novels because it seems like it's always about the spaceship or whatever the science fiction idea is. Mm -hmm. While Vonnegut's sci-fi is like, oh yeah, it does take place on Mars, but it's like, it could be in Ithaca. It could be wherever. It's about these other ideas that they just happen to be very grand sci-fi ideas, but it always comes back to issues of humanity. Right. And we're not just talking about the technology, but rather the effects those technologies have on people. So it kind of grounds it for me and I like them. So this one um, involves a lot of issues of free will and omniscience and the purpose of humanity. Oh, okay. So a little grand. And there's also a uh, Martian invasion of Earth in it, but it still doesn't seem very sci-fi, although it's very (laughs) sci-fi. That sounds extremely sci-fi. It is. Uh, if you like The Watchmen or Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, most of those books were stolen from this novel. So read really? this instead. Oh, oh, so much. Cool. But rather than get into the whole plot, uh, some fun things are there's a religion called the Church of God the Utterly Indifferent. Because if there is a God, he's clearly utterly indifferent. And they go about talking. A lot of his books talk about how if you are favored, it's just because you're lucky. It's just the luck of the draw. There's nothing more to it. Mm. This posits a world where the entirety of human civilization is just a means for alien communication. Uh Like there's an alien who needs to get a message out and all of the like major accomplishments of humanity are the equivalent of text messages to an alien. Really? Like the pyramids mean like, oh, meet me at five. (laughs) Which is very fun. I don't know if you'd like it, but it has elements that you would like because it has a really twisty plot, like a lot of the books that you love. And it's kind of the equivalent of some of those heist movies or murder mysteries where there's all these moving parts and they fit together just right. And it's really satisfying at the end when you see it all. But this adds another level because it's this twisty, turny heist movie on somebody who experiences time all at once and always and always has. Oh, cool. So you have to trick someone who um, can see all of time. <laughs> wow. So that was fun. That seems hard to yeah. do, yeah. Um, tricking someone who can see everything. <laughs> Not everything, all of time of their own time. Oh, of their own time. So they can see all of their, they experience time. I thought time. it was like all time. Like... They're not omniscient, okay. but they can see time. They don't see it linearly like we do, uh... which is another thing that happens in a lot of his novels. Okay. Uh, Let's go to 1962 and his novel, Mother Night. And the main idea of this is uh, be careful who you pretend to be because you are who you pretend to be. Like, what's the difference? If I pretend to be something every day, how is that different than just being that thing? Right. So this story is about a man and he's writing his memoir while he is on trial for war crimes from World War II. And the basis of the book is that memoir and him telling his life story. And it mainly deals with uh, racism and the inhumanity of war and things like that. But one thing that's very unique and special about it is in the middle of this really dark, sad story is one of the greatest depictions of one person's love for another that I've ever seen in a book. Like this guy who's talking about all these like war crimes and everything, he loves his wife so much and it's explained and explored so beautifully. It's uh, enough to like make me realize like this one little paragraph here is some of the best like love writing I've ever heard. It was very good. 
there's one metaphor that he uses in this novel. Again, I'm not really talking what the book's about because there's so much to it. But this metaphor is about uh, a cuckoo clock in hell and about how the fascist mind is like exquisitely crafted clockwork, but with gear teeth filed off at random because it keeps perfect time and it's precise and then it erratically jumps around like the logic of fascist and racists because they make points that are salient and intelligent almost but then they always make this extra leap that you're like whoa 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 you lost me there oh his next novel was cat's cradle which came out in 1963 and i talked about that on episode 121 so go listen to it there yes it's very good not his best but I think my favorite of his. And the last one I'll talk about is called God Bless You, Mr. Rosewater, or Pearls Before Swine. A lot of his books have two titles like that, and one's always a silly one. Oh, fun. And this came from 1965, and it's the story of Elliot Rosewater, who is a millionaire who has a social conscience, and that is like the worst thing ever. <laughs> so his uh, family tries to get him... Um, legally declared insane so they could take all the money or other people do that as well and their basis for declaring him is insane is that he's like worries about people and cares about everyone <laughs> so sad yeah and it's at its heart like this kind of treatise on socialist economic policy because the guy rosewater who inherits all this money is just rich his whole life and his family is rich and just because there was one successful person way back when and then they discovered tax loopholes and he goes about saying like that's the only reason i'm rich and there are a lot of rich people in vonnegut novels who are very aware that i've done nothing there's one later who is descended from someone who invented some sort of drug which is then deemed illegal but in the meantime they made a lot of money and then it's generational wealth for everyone for hundreds of years. Oh. And then he's like, some people are in jail for doing the same thing my family did. Yeah. But here I am, a millionaire. Wow. But anyways, that's a different book. One interesting little idea in this grand book of many interesting ideas is that one thing the super rich have that us normal folk don't have is a willingness to accept money for nothing. Like if we were to get... for the government Mm -hmm. just for fun I would feel weird and be like well I didn't actually deserve this there are more needy people out there yeah Uh, when I got laid off I got uh, during all of the the COVID closures I got free money yeah I felt very strange about it because we're not starving no we're doing all right we're doing all right but also I'm not going to turn it away (laughs) but it, it feels weird to me and he was saying but rich people do not have that if you're making money off of interest that you're doing, you're getting money for nothing. Yeah. Right? And that is kind of the basis of how people maintain wealth. You're getting money wealth. for having money. Yes, exactly. You're being rewarded for being rich. Or how celebrities get more free things than we ever will. Right. It's like but they're the least. Sweets. Yeah, they yeah. don't need it. And uh, one other really fun line I like, this guy like loses everyone in his life because he loves everyone. And you're like, oh, that sounds great though. But imagine how hard it would be to be married to someone who thinks everyone is as deserving of love not like romantically but like oh yes i love you you're my wife but there's someone outside without shoes i need to go take care of them right and they personally put it upon themselves to take care of everyone right and his wife is just like no i've had it 
And uh, his dad's talking to him at one point, and he says, like, you see what the problem with you is. And his dad's like a big capitalist. Right. Says that you give your love equally to everyone. And he's Mm -hmm. saying, like, no, that's what's great. And he says, no, because you give your love away like a guy handing out flyers on the corner. And then anyone gets it, and then they just throw it in the trash. And the guy's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize my love was trash. Oh, that's so sad. And I love that idea. But those are just like fun little ideas from a bunch of great novels. I uh, loved pretty, I guess I didn't say which ones I really liked. Out of those ones, Sirens of Titans, great. Mother Knight is great. Rosewater is, is very good as well. I guess I wasn't as big on player piano. All of his books, I think, are are quite good. Some of them are great, though. Oh, that's good. And I'll come back in, I don't know, maybe a month or so and <laughs> do five more of his books. Perfect. So our second sponsor of the show is the Alberta Podcast Network and their show, Speaking Municipally. And uh, Speaking Municipally is hosted by Taproot Edmonton, and they present a weekly discussion on key stories in municipal politics. So they pay attention to city council so that you don't have to watch seven-hour meetings. Awesome. And uh, you can join them as they delve into conversations about the context surrounding decisions made at city hall. So I do occasionally listen to this one because I work for the transit union. And um, there's a lot of like really complex things happening behind the scenes, especially with this new city hall so um sometimes i tune in to kind of figure out what's happening from the city side because of course from the union side we're like what the hell are they doing sometimes (laughs) and we're like this can't be good um so it's interesting to hear it from the city's side of things um the best episode that they've done lately uh was they had the former mayors of Edmonton, Red Deer, and Calgary, so Don Iveson, Tara Beer, and Nahid Nenshi, play uh, Alberta Jeopardy. Oh, interesting. So it's kind of a fun, like, how much do you know about your province? Uh, so that is Taproot Edmonton and their podcast, Speaking Municipally, and you can find it wherever you're listening to our podcast. Awesome. I, oddly enough, just heard about this podcast yesterday. Really? My friend Michelle, if you ever listen, hey, Michelle, she recommended it. She listens to it. Uh Uh-huh. Because we were talking. I said, like, oh, I have this podcast. We talk about movies and stuff. And then she was mentioning that one to me. Oh, nice. Well, Samantha, you've recommended your book. I've recommended my five. Now we're back into the movie world. What are we going to be watching next week? So this is, uh, we've never seen this. We've heard a lot about it and we probably should watch it soon. Is it we should probably watch it or you should probably watch it? We should probably watch it. It's something that I would want to watch as well. Yeah, well, it's something that we've talked about quite a bit. But it's more, is it's it more, more you movie than a me movie? It's more of a me movie, okay. but you like to make a lot of jokes about this movie franchise so So i'm gonna make fun of it probably all right i'm probably gonna end up making fun of it too. well now i'm very excited so we are gonna be watching the 2006 american romantic dance drama film oh yeah step up (laughs) i even have the dvd here and i held it up really dramatically you're you're right i do talk about it a lot but i usually talk about step up to the streets yes <laughs> i've never seen any of them but whenever anyone uses the phrase step up like to uh to step up to a situation right. i always add on to the streets because i think that's a great title <laughs>
<laughs> so I haven't watched a trailer for this movie. I think that's shocking to me that you've never seen Step Up. Yeah, I know. Was it was it a little late? Is that it why? was kind of at the same time as Bring It On? What was it? I thought Bring It On was earlier for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. I was really into cheer at this point. 2006, I was like... So you were losing your dance love and, I and was getting more the cheer, cheer fever. So then I was like very much, oh, cheer fever, the original title for Bring It On. That's a good title too. <laughs> uh, I think I might have been straying away. I was very burnt out from dance at this point in 2006. I had been dancing really heavily and competitively for many, many years. And I was finally like, I kind of want to have a life. I think we need to watch Step Up. Yeah, I'm down. Um, so what do you know about it? Um, I know that it's got Channing Tatum and oh, Jenna really? Dewan in it. Yeah. I don't know who that second person is, but Channing Tatum. So this is, is this like his big breakout? Because I didn't know him at this time, but I also kind of got on later. I didn't get aware of Channing Tatum until he was kind of making fun of his old persona. Yeah. So he made his film debut in Coach Carter in 2005. Oh, okay. And then his breakthrough role was Step Up. So he's a lead in this so He's one. a lead in this yeah. one. And then he went on to do Magic Mike. Right, right, right. <laughs> he's a very good dancer. I trust you. I haven't seen... Oh, no, I did see Magic Mike. Yeah. Like, he, he doesn't look like a buff guy who was taught to dance. He looks like a guy who can dance who is also buff. Right. Like, he, he looks like he can move and, like, be dancey. I think he also had like a, then went on to be like an action guy for a little bit. Yes. I know him as, he turned into a comedic actor and I think he's very good. Like the 21 Jump Street. Okay, 21 Jump Street hilarious. is great. I think he's hilarious. 22 as well. Yeah. I think they're both very funny. Yeah, he did some action in like G.I. Joe. Yeah, that stuff's all garbage. Um, And then he did some other comedy movies like She's the Man, um, The Dilemma. Is that a comedy movie? I've never heard okay. of that. Um, Hail Caesar, The Hateful Eight. He did. He's done quite a few big movies, and I think he is very good. So I'm yeah. interested to see young Channing Tatum in his breakout role. Also, he is very briefly in This Is The End, and it's a very good part. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed that movie, too. <laughs> I am excited. Jenna Dewan is a uh, dancer and an actress. She... Also does uh, choreography, I believe. And um, she's done quite a few things. She was in uh, American Horror Story Asylum. She has been in quite a few TV series and um, maybe not quite as much uh, film as Channing Tatum. But um, they were also married in 2009. Oh, the two stars got married? Yes, they were married in 2009. They wow. divorced in 2019. Oh, um, well, and they got she, sad at the end. And she now has two babies with her new fiancé. All right, well, good. Yeah, they both, they both, both seem happy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, But they fell in love. Did they fall in love on the set of this? Oh, yeah. that's pretty good. Which tells me good things about the chemistry of this yeah. movie. I feel like it's going to be really good. Although I feel like we've seen movies where I said like, oh, these people have terrible chemistry. And then you said, oh, they're married in real life. And then I felt <laughs> yeah, bad for probably. them. Yeah, probably. So the just tell me about the front of this. What's happening on the cover? Is this a case where you want me to tell you what this whole movie is going to be about? Because I think I can do it. No, I don't want you to do that. I just want you to tell me how sexy the cover is. Oh, yeah. It is a sexy cover. I don't want to, like, watch a trailer or anything. I kind of want to go into this blind. Well, if we're both blind, I think we should both make predictions of what the movie is okay, going to be. Yeah, let's do it. 
Okay. Are you, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Because I think I've... I think you're just going to decimate me, so I'm going to go first. <laughs> do, you, do you know anything about it? Um, I know like the formula. Specific to this or just because we know the formula? Because we know the formula of dance movies. Yeah. So I think she's going to be some kind of serious trained dancer. I think he's going to be some young punk who's just like out for himself and on a like wild spree of some sort and then somehow he's gonna end up learning to dance yeah and that's gonna change his life oh yeah, yeah that that that's that's it yeah he's a dan i'm gonna say he's already a dancer okay but he's like i, I dance on the street oh, okay. i'm tough we can't make him so threatening because they still have to. He still has to be white. Yes, that would be crazy. <laughs> otherwise, that'd be so. But he's gonna be like a, a street tough. He's a he's a street dancer. Oh. But she is in the prestigious academy for ballet. And the problem with her though is she's kind of plateaued, and she can't get to that next level. She's too straight laced and buttoned down, and she's too textbook. I think you're giving me the plot for what was the other dance movie we did? Save the Last Dance. Save the Last Dance. Yeah. Which I also called and then I was right. Yes, you were. But there I said he can't be a street tough because he's black. And you that would be too threatening in a movie that the, the target audience is white 16-year-old right. girls for the okay. most part. So the sad truth is you can't make someone a love interest and black and like dangerous. Mm. You can be uh, two of those three. Right. So since Channing Tatum's white, I'm going to say he is actually like a criminal. Okay. A criminal, criminal dancer. Street dancer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. And she's at some academy and then I don't know how they meet. It's going to be something silly. Like maybe she sees him like dancing on the street or something and then says like, oh, I need some uh, help loosening up because <laughs> that's, I'm, I'm too. <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> I don't know. That sounded gross. <laughs> what? Loosen up? That's a phrase. Like, hey, loosen up. Yeah, okay. Go on. Anyway. <laughs> I think it's gross that you thought that's gross. <laughs> Fair. And then uh, he's like, oh, what do you know about dance? You're some rich snob. And then, of course, they start dancing together. They both learn from each other. Mm. She learns to, what's a better way to say loosen up than if you don't like that? Relax. She learns to relax. And that lets her, I don't know, get a scholarship, win a competition, whatever the main thing okay, is. Okay, yeah. I think the main thing is her thing. And then he, however, then says like, yeah, I'm leaving behind this life of crime. But it's not going to be like a real crime. He's not like a murderer. But he's like in a dance gang or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> dance gang. But he's, he's doing something. I want and more he's... dance gang movies. Oh, we should watch West Side Story. They remade it recently. Oh, yeah. But we should watch the old one. I've that's seen pretty the old good. One. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, and then he's gonna leave behind his dance gang to maybe then, based on his interaction with her, mm -hmm. he gets invited into this academy or something. Yeah. I don't know. That might be too much, but we'll yeah, see. that's what I think is gonna happen. Okay. Well, I'm excited. <laughs> we both pretty much think the same thing. I think so. Yeah, you're just more in depth, and you know. <laughs> I just uh, bring race politics into it. Yes, you do. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't want to watch a trailer. If you want to watch a trailer, you can watch it. All right. I'll put a trailer in the show notes for everyone else. You can choose to watch it if you want. But next week, we are going to be talking about Step Up. This one doesn't have a subtitle because it was just the, they didn't know it was a franchise yet. Widescreen. <laughs> oh, yeah. We have a widescreen DVD here. 
that we will be watching. I don't believe it is streaming anywhere and easily, but you can rent it on like Amazon and YouTube and all yes. those sorts of things and uh, get it from your public library like we did. Yeah. <laughs> Love the public library. So we will see you next week when we watch Step Up, Two Dancers, Two Worlds, One Dream. Oh, see there. That proves that we're... I yeah, think, I think we're right. I didn't even yeah. see that part, but yeah. Oh, some One Dream, though. Maybe he does want... Maybe he has the same goal as her to be a, a dancer, and he just like couldn't fit into that world, and maybe he used to go to the school, the academy, but then got thrown out, and he... This might be a better movie. And <laughs> I think it might be. So he couldn't fit in because he's like too street. <laughs> he does like hip hop dance. He doesn't want to do just ballet. So then he gets expelled and then they meet and he doesn't want to admit it to anyone. And that's why he has actual this like dance training because he used to be in that world. Right. But he couldn't fit in and he's very disillusioned with the dance world. And then she and their love brings him back in. She dances into his life. Oh, dances right into his heart. And they dance right onto the stage. And they dance their sleeves right off. Have a look at this <laughs> Yeah, color. there's no sleeves. No sleeves left. How would you know that Channing Tatum is ripply and muscular? Muscle ripply? Is that how we describe muscles and ripply in, on Earth? <laughs> yeah. I think you've been eating too many chips. <laughs> I think so. Probably. <laughs> it's been a long winter already. <laughs> okay, we'll see you next week, everyone. Bye. Bye, everyone. Don't forget to step up. Two. The streets. But no, just part one. What about step up three? D. <laughs> oh. What's step up four? Step up all over again? Step up all over me. Hang <laughs> on. Got it here. Step up five in fields of lavender. <laughs> step up six, rise of the blood queen. So it's step up two, the streets. Step up three D. Step Up Revolution. Oh, that's and probably going to be the good one. Step that Up. That one takes place on the streets of Cuba during the communist revolution. Miami. Oh, shit. Okay, this is real. <laughs> this is one thing I know. And this uh, screenwriter was talking about this movie that he wrote. And it was about a love story about a, a woman who is well off in Cuba and this man who has become radicalized and is joining the revolution in like the times of um, Che and right. Castro and everything. And I think it ends up with like him being killed and dying for the cause. But then she goes like, you know what? This cause was just, but it takes his death for her to join that side. And he just, he couldn't sell it and it never got made. And he finally sold it and they just fucking ripped it apart and turned it into step up. I think it's that movie. Or he said a dance movie. I think it might be that movie, actually. Oh. He said which movie it was, so I should go read that article again. Um, so then Is it Havana Nights? Oh, no, that's Dirty Dancing 2. Dirty Dancing 2. I think that might be it. Okay. It's one of those two. So Step Up Revolution is in Miami. Okay. Um, and then there's Step Up All In, which it says All Stars oh, from... Step Up All In. All In. What are they stepping all in? <laughs> I didn't think about that. Just like a, a pot of mashed potatoes is what I thought of. <laughs>
Um, so all stars from the previous Step Up installments come together in glittering oh. Las Vegas to battle for a victory that could define their dreams and their careers. Oh, so it looks like it turns into like dance teams after this. Huh. Or maybe this is a dance team movie. Oh. oh, is this like a dance battle movie? For some reason, I didn't assume it would be that. I don't that. think so. Huh. Maybe we're way off. It looks like it turns Are into bring it on. Are they dance battling? They might be. <laughs> maybe this breath. turns into the bring it on world. Oh. And it's more about teams. I do like that idea of like all of these people from the previous 12 movies coming together at the end to make... <laughs> There's like four, but... <laughs> I think... It, you said like seven, didn't you? There was five. Okay. <laughs> 12 movies. Whatever. There might be 12 now. Maybe. No, there. that's all. That's... I would love to write one of these. A step up? Yes. I bet we could... So much. I bet we could sell step up seven. Or like a bring it on. I would love to write a bring it on. We would be the good team to write a bring it on yeah. too because I have like the true knowledge. Yeah. And then I would write a cameo for Angel Rice. And then you'd try to get Gabby Butler, but we couldn't afford her. We'll see. <laughs> I, I would write a good cheer movie. I you think. would. I think together we would be. I think when we did that one cheer movie, we I wrote like just on the spot. I wrote a cheer movie. You and did. you were like, oh yeah. I Out loud. That. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Maybe this is in the podcast. I don't know.